So in this season of Lent, on this fifth Sunday, we want to turn our attention to the Gospel of John in the 11th chapter, uh, verses 17 through 45. This is the story of Jesus coming to his friend Lazarus. Um, Lazarus' sisters were Mary and Martha, and they've appeared earlier in the Gospel. Lazarus is a very important friend of Jesus. In fact, in this uh, passage three different times, uh, it says that Jesus loved Lazarus, which leads some scholars, interpreters, to think that Lazarus may have been the beloved disciple. But in any event, Lazarus had fallen ill, and so Mary and Martha had sent word to Jesus. He was away. Having been in Judea, he had gone away because of some trouble that he had uh, was in. People were mad at him and uh, wanted to hurt him, so he had left. But when he heard that Lazarus, his friend, was ill, he went back to Judea, um, to Bethany, to help. But he waited a few days before he went back. We pick up the story at verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he found Lazarus dead and already in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Judeans had come out from Jerusalem to come to Martha and to Mary to console them in the death of their brother Lazarus. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Let me pause there for just a minute. Read that again, what Martha said. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, what's the nonverbal content of that statement? Is it exasperation or frustration or maybe anger on her part? If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Or an exclamation, an affirmation of her faith. Lord, I know that if you had been here, he would not have died. But even now I know God will hear everything that you ask of him. Or a statement of depression, sadness. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's a thing to question, a question to ponder uh, this week about where we are disappointed, where we are frustrated or angry, where we believe deeply, where we have great faith, or where we have nagging doubts. Like Martha, what is the emotional content, the nonverbal communication of our statements and questions? So in verse 23, Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, well, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Let me pause here again. Jesus and his followers and the Pharisees um, believed in the resurrection of the dead on the last day. This was a common held, commonly held belief and Jesus shared in it. 
And Mary, Martha, Martha rather, exclaims that she knows that he will rise again on the last day. Now in verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they die, yet shall they live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. The Messiah is one who would be sent by God with a particular task of saving God's people. So even here, Martha doesn't really quite understand what Jesus is pointing to, showing her, hinting at, not just hinting, but stating explicitly, I am the resurrection and the life. Her consciousness is not fully formed. Her understanding is still elementary. She will only fully understand this after Jesus' own death following his crucifixion and his resurrection from the dead, only after this. Martha, Mary, all the other followers and disciples of Jesus, they only understand who Jesus fully is after the crucifixion and the resurrection. Verse 28. When she had said this, she went back, and Martha called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher, rabbi, the rabbi is here and is calling for you. Now when Mary heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, which was still at the place where Martha had met him. Now the Judeans who were there at the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and to go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Let me pause again. This was a common practice and still in this culture and many, to gather with the, those who are mourning, those who are bereaved, to sit with them, to mourn with them, to cry with them, to comfort them, to go to the grave, uh, to be with them. And they thought that they would go and, with her to weep. Verse 32. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Again, what is she really saying or asking? When Jesus saw her weeping, and how the Judeans who'd come to be with her were also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit, and he was deeply moved. Jesus said, Where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Judeans all said, see how he loved him. But some said, could he not have opened the eye, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Again, this question, where was he? And if he was here, he could have saved Lazarus. Verse 38. Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a grave, a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of Lazarus, said to him, Lord, there will be a stench 
because he has been dead for days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you will always hear me. But I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped up in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. And many of the Judeans who were there, who had come to be with Mary and Martha, who had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Amen. This is quite a story. One of the commentators um, has said that he's very glad that Lazarus was known to Jesus, that Jesus was a friend of Lazarus. He's not just somebody who happens to come into Jesus' path. He's a person who's known by and loved by Jesus. And it's that knowledge of his dear friend that lies at the heart of Jesus raising him from the dead. God is always reaching out to us in love. Not to us as anonymous persons, just one in a long line of individuals. Take a number, get in line, wait your turn. But when God reaches out to us in love, it is not a pro forma or a perfunctory effort on God's behalf but one that is personal and poignant and deeply intimate, just as it was for Jesus and for Lazarus. This, of course, is the favorite uh, biblical passage that children like to memorize. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Maybe the shortest, but in some very real way, I think it's perhaps one of the most profound. For Jesus who shares our common lot, conquering sin and death, reconciling us to God, is not above and beyond and immune to the realities of humanity. He is human, and very much so in this passage. Jesus wept. He feels with us our anxiety. He understands our needs and our concerns. He recognizes and experiences and sympathizes and empathizes with our fears and our hopes, our dreams, our uncertainty. He shares with us our common lot, the fullness of our humanity. So that God in Jesus is not impassable, immutable, but is very much a part of our journey, shares with us in a deep and intimate way. 
This calling out of Lazarus reminds us in this time of uncertainty, fear, and anxiety that even when we feel like we are somehow locked in a tomb, as though we're in a cave with a stone rolled in front of it, that we are somehow forgotten and left behind by God. But in fact, God is coming to us and rolling away the stone, calling us to come out, and then finding our cloths unbound. The unbinding of the cloths is a communal event. We share with each other in unwrapping the cloths that hold each of us into the prisons sometimes of our own making, some uh, unjustly imposed upon us by a society that doesn't care. But when God calls Lazarus, think what that event is like for him. He has been in the tomb for four days. Rigor mortis. The drying of the blood. The failure of inspiration and expiration. The quietness. The loneliness. And so when Jesus calls him, his blood again becomes warmed and flows. His pale, cold body becomes animated and warmed again. He becomes conscious of the world around him. This calling out of Lazarus doesn't happen in the blinking of an eye, but through the intimate and physical resuscitation of one who was dear to Jesus. So too, as God in this season of Lent calls us to come out of the prisons of our lives and to unbind the cloth that has held us away from the conscious awareness of God who is with us, with us, with us, and for us always, forever, never-ending, faithful and true, Jesus wept. He weeps with Mary and with Martha and with the Judean mourners. Jesus is with us. He weeps with us in our weeping and rejoices in our rejoicing, strengthens us in our deepest needs and consoles us in our fondest hopes. There's a wonderful quote from an artist who drew 60 portraits of Lazarus to be viewed in succession. You might want to go to YouTube this week. The work, 60 Portraits, is called The Colleague of Lazarus, 60 Portraits. The painter is Ross Wilson. He writes, What was it like for Lazarus when his blood warmed again and his lungs filled with oxygen, when strength entered his pale, cold body to have life come into him from the voice of Jesus? What will it be for us when we are called out of the cave of our 
resting our seclusion in the shadows, to have our life come back to us from the voice of Jesus. Amen.